Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, yea, Greetings this Lord's Day, this Sabbath, in the name of our Lord and Savior. It is a good thing, the Bible tells us, to give thanks to the Lord. And He gives us a special day to do it. Now, the Bible tells us that we're to pray without ceasing, right? Right? Everybody say right. He tells us that uh, we're to uh, lift hands, holy hands everywhere. But there is something very, very special about Sunday. Sunday, the Lord's Day, is a day that is set aside, that is special, and that is different and holy to the Lord. Now, we don't believe in a holy place, like as in this this building isn't holy, but in a sense it is. And when I say it is, holy basically means, and we'll talk about this more, it means to be set apart for something. So what's what do we do here? Yeah, this is what we do. We worship here now. It's not so set apart that, uh, which, you know, we had our concert here the other day, but uh, we were singing praise to the Lord. But, but primarily, this is set apart for the worship of the Lord. In that same way, the Lord's Day is a set apart special day that's not for all the things we normally do. It's for special things. Um, the children of Israel had a psalm that they sang every Sabbath. Did you guys know that? Psalm number 92. One of the things that we tried to do a little while ago and we kind of got away from it is that the, the headings on the Psalms that are given, they're inspired too. And so you can get your Bible out and you'll miss this uh, if you don't have those little, those little headings that actually are part of God's inspired word. Okay? So if you, if you look at Psalm 92, you know what it says at the top of it? It says a psalm to be sung on the Sabbath. So that's a pretty specific thing, right? Psalm 92 says this, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises to thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning and thy faithfulness every night. Upon an instrument of ten strings and upon the psaltery and upon the harp with a solemn sound, for thou, Lord, hast made me glad through thy work. I will triumph in the works of thy hands. O Lord, how great are thy works, and thy thoughts are very deep. A brutish man knows not, neither does a fool understand this. When the wicked spring is the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. For lo, thine enemies, O Lord, for lo, thine enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. It's a good thing to think about the future. And we know the future of all things. My horn shall be exalted like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Mine eyes shall see my desire on mine enemies, and my ears shall hear my desire of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of God. Isn't that a beautiful image? We are, what are we doing with our children, guys? We are planting our children uh, in the house of the Lord that they may flourish in the courts of our God. The Bible says they shall bring forth fruit in old age and they shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Let us pray. Lord, you have called us 
to this special day to take our Sabbath rest, to remember you, to dwell on you and the good things that you have done and the good things that you have promised that you will do. We come before you eager for you to continue to cleanse us from our unrighteousness, to continue to change us so that we might be more like you. Lord, like your children, we desire the sincere milk of the word that we might grow. Engraft in us and continue to plant in us fields and, uh, uh, of the incorruptible seed of your word, Lord, that it might bring forth fruit in our lives and in the lives of the other, others all over the world. Lord, that indeed the leaves of this great tree of life that is the church would be for the healing of the nations. Lord, I pray today as we hear your word, Lord, that we would long after it, we would hunger and thirst after it, that you would fill us, that you would change us to be more like you, that we could go out and do the things that you command us to do. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. standing for just a little bit here as we go to our scripture text for today. My sermon today is called Lord of the Sabbath. Everybody say Lord of the Sabbath. Sabbath. Matthew chapter 12. I know we just heard this, but we can hear it again. I think think today is a good day to stop. Everybody say stop and think about Sabbath. Okay. All right, Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 1. We'll just do 1 through 8. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were and hungered and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was a hungered? And that they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests of the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this meaneth, I would have mercy. Everybody say, I would have mercy. And not sacrifice. Ye would have not condemned the guiltless. Everybody say, condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Isn't that peculiar that he would have to say that? He's Lord even of the Sabbath. I, I think I hear a tone in here that we might even not be comfortable with, but Jesus used it. Do you know the Lord is Lord even of the Sabbath? All right. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for being so good to us, for giving us your word. And as we go through the story of the human life of Christ on this earth, may we learn from it because as your word teaches us, the man Christ Jesus was the word made flesh that dwelt among us. Lord, as you dwelt among us, we beheld your glory and we begin to understand so much better what your word means. Lord, before it was in the shadowy darkness, as it were, in comparison as it is now in the light of the life of Christ. In Christ's name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Once again, we return to the life of Christ as found in the four Gospels. And once again, we're hearing a story found in all three of the the Synoptic Gospels. Who can tell me what the Synoptic Gospels are? Say it real loud. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Very good. Now, uh, they're called that because they're similar. They are synoptic, or you're familiar with the term synonym. You know, that kind of means, I was always taught to remember it. It's like a samonym, okay? A synoptic, it's, a, it's telling you something is the same or similar. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very, very similar. Now, honestly to me, I don't really find them all that similar, but apparently compared to the way John told the story, they're very similar. Uh, the story we read from Matthew chapter 12, you might say, wow, we're, we're already through 12 chapters of Matthew. 
This is going to be great. Mark's going to be through the life of Christ here shortly. Think again. Uh, Because we're only in Mark chapter 2. And this is one of the things that's kind of confusing to me. You're in Mark chapter 2, but you're in Matthew chapter 12, and you're in Luke chapter 6. Now, that doesn't look very sane to me, all right? There's a whole lot of things in each of these that are not in the others. Uh, but for the sake of, uh, of Bible study, we will remember, though, that they, the synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, because they are, uh, you know, chapter 2 tells the same thing that Matthew 12 tells that Luke 6, because of this, it's very difficult to just read the story of Jesus and get an idea of the chronology of events. And so this is why your pastor uh, is not going to be handling... I'm I'm not trying to chronologically teach through this uh, because it's very, very difficult to do that. Uh, I want to get everything from the life of Christ and teach it. Does that make sense? There'll be things in one gospel that I'll teach on that won't be in the other gospels. And then there will be events like this that are in... Three of them, maybe even four of them. But this is one of these incidents that occurred in the life of Jesus Christ um, that are mentioned in all Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, at that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day. At what time? Do you remember where he was? Remember we talked about we used this big stained glass? He was around the Sea of Galilee. Everybody say the Sea of Galilee. His home base was right up there at the top, over on that side, Capernaum. And the Sea of Galilee, he did all these miracles and he did all kinds of interesting things around. But one of the things he did in his custom was, was every Sabbath, they say every, every, every Sabbath, he was in the synagogue and that's where he was. That was his tradition. That was his uh, habit to be. And on the Sabbath day, they were walking through the corn. Now it says in the King James corn, but there is no corn in the Bible, even though it says corn. It is kind of a mistranslation, okay? Corn comes from the United States of America. Uh, corn, had not, they had not discovered it. It wasn't growing then, okay? They were talking about some kind of food. Corn is a generic term for food. So it could have been wheat. It could have been barley. It could have been uh, any number of things. And so when that says they were even picking the ears of corn, in your mind you're picturing ears of corn. You may even have a Sunday school book that has ears of corn. But if you go with that, then you will, you'll, you'll be wrong and you'll be teaching your kids something wrong. And when they grow up to find out there was no corn, you're going to be in trouble. All right? So it'll be like a fairy tale to them. Oh, yeah, well, corn, right. Um, but when the, when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful upon the Sabbath day. All right? So he's telling them that it is against the law for them to do what they're doing. Now, did the Bible say that it was against the law for them to do what they were doing? Or did the Pharisees think? What do you think? If Jesus was doing it, was it against the law? Everybody say, if Jesus did it, it was not against the law. Okay, what, what is a sin? Sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the Did Jesus commit any sin? No, he did not. And so they did something and it appeared wrong to them who were there. And Jesus knew that. In fact, Jesus even refers to some things as being wrong that are not wrong. And you might go, well, Jesus can't do that. He's saying it to the people that are listening. They did that what's not lawful. Now, he doesn't mean it's not lawful to him. And he doesn't mean it's not lawful to God. But it is not lawful to who? To the... Pharisees, so don't get in your mind that when Jesus is stating the facts the way they are and the way they seem to the people there, that that, that, that is the reality of what is going on because it is not going on. It was not unlawful for them to eat food at, while they were walking through the field. Okay. Now, he said unto them, have you not read what David did when he was hungered and they that were with him? Now, when you read this story, Jesus is saying that what they did here wasn't wrong. But he says some things in here. If you're, just a, if you're just trying to read the Bible as it says it, there are some confusing things in here. It says, what did they do? They ate bread that they weren't supposed to eat. Now, I went and I read about this in the Bible, and I read the story, and I read the law, and I kept trying to look for things in there that they just weren't there. So, Jesus is teaching something very particular here, and we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about the Sabbath, but... but uh, the way that the showbread worked, and I'll, I'll lay this out and I'll try to, I, I don't know how, 
far we're going to get. I'm going to try my best to get through all that I have here. I have a bunch of pages. But the way that it worked is there was a temple. Do you guys remember in the holy place? Right? In the, there's the holy place. There's, there's the outer court. Then there's the holy place inside there. You've got the, the table of showbread, right? You've got the, the, the candle, uh, the menorah, you know, there with the lights. And, and, you, and you have the altar of incense. So on this table was called the table of showbread. Everybody say the table of showbread. And on that, they were to put fresh bread once a week. Okay? Uh, we might go, well, it might get stale, you know, but they weren't worried about that. The, the holy place was completely covered in every way. And they put the showbread on there. And the, it was, everybody say that bread was holy. Now, if you are superstitious, you think holy bread, okay, is uh, holy in, 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 a, in a superstitious way. Holy doesn't mean that the bread, like if you, if you needed healed, you could touch it. And it was holy and it would heal you. That is not, the bread would not heal you. Okay? Uh, it was not holy in that when you went in and it was dark, the, blo- the, the bread was glowing in the dark. And it had like magical fairy dust coming off of it. It was holy bread. Okay? It was holy in that it was set apart. Everybody say set apart. That it was set apart and it was not to be used like other bread. It was specific. It was holy, set apart, sanctified for that day. Okay, when the Bible tells you to be holy, I mean, sometimes, Derek, don't you think I can't be holy? And then you go and then what you need to say is, yes, I can. Holy means I am set apart for God. I'm not set apart for what I want. I'm not set apart apart by the United States of America. I'm not set apart by all these things. I am set apart unto God, completely and wholly to God. Okay. And so this bread was for that purpose. Now, when they were done and where's Jeff? Jeff? Jeff's guilty of, of actually doing this a lot. You guys ready? You ready to repent, Jeff? Jeff likes bread. Everybody know this? And when the communion bread is eaten, sometimes there are fragments of bread. You see this bag? I have seen Jeff do this many times. And the extra bread, of course, to love everyone in the church, he collects the bread. And he puts it in the bag. And then eventually it makes it... To his lunch sometimes, all right? And so, so this bread, as it was collected, at the end, they would get rid of the bread, but no one could eat it, and it was, you know, thrown out, but they would put new bread. And if you read the story, the story David's men, David was not, David did not go in the holy place and get the bread out of the holy place and eat it, okay? The bread had been removed and new bread had been brought. They were, they were getting ready to or they were in the process or whatever of this. This bread was bread that was going to be gotten rid of. Okay. Now, th- that bread was holy and set apart for that. But Jesus tells this story and God had this, this event happen for some reason so that we could understand. There is a normative way to do things. There is a way that we should expect, and then there are some extreme circumstances, okay? Just like in the Sabbath, we learned, we heard what Jesus said when Andy read it for us. We don't deal with livestock on the Sabbath. We don't go, and it's not the time to go, uh, you know, we're going to, you know, if you you had a show animal, that would not be the day to, you know, shave it or all the things you do. I don't know about, but Sunday would not be the day to do that if you could do that on a Saturday. But let's say your the goldsmith's pig got out and it ran and it fell in a ditch. Would it not be the day to go get it out of the ditch? Of course. So so handling the livestock for mercy. Let's say you're feeding them or taking care of them. I mean, do you think God wants you know the goldsmith pigs to die of thirst on Sunday? Would that really bring glory to God? Absolutely not. So you know if they were running down the road and and they're about to get hit by a car, but the goldsmith say you know we don't work on Sunday and. I know the pig probably get hit by a semi truck over here off the freeway, but we're but we can't do anything about it. That would be the legalistic, dumb way to look at. It, okay, but that's what the Pharisees did because that's what our temptation is. When God tells us something, we have the temptation to create all of these things, whether they be to allow us to break it, or so we keep it so we don't have to do things we want to do. You know how your kids will do. You know, uh, well, you told me. You told me uh, there was no this, you know, but, you, you know, they knew that was not what you meant, right? You know, well, the, re- the reason I didn't come to you, Dad, was because you told me I was supposed to obey Mom, 
And mom told me to, you know, to watch Murder, She Wrote with her, you know. And so when, I, when you yelled for me, you told me to obey mom. And I was just obeying you. Now, you know that kind of reasoning. You just want to go, ah! you know, dad, I was just obeying you, right? All right. So Jesus points us out how David does this. Now, David, is, if, you read, if you read the scriptures and if you read all about showbread, there is no prohibition that says that never if somebody's hungry and you're throwing the bread anyway and you're putting new bread that no one can ever touch this. But the idea is that it would not be that everyone's going to be eating this bread all the time. Does that make sense? This is not how you do it and this is what it's for. But that doesn't mean that in the case of mercy, everybody say mercy, or necessity. That's how our... Uh, that's how our, the, the Westminster divines define uh, what could be done is think acts of mercy and necessity. Okay, Jesus said, have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath day, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Now, this doesn't make any sense. So have you not read how the priests profane? Everybody say profane. profane. Now, do you really think the priests were profaning the Sabbath? Is that what Jesus was saying? What is he talking about? All right. Jesus is saying that priests work on the Sabbath. So what is my work, Jeff? I'm pastor, right? And I'm the preacher, right? And so what am I doing right now? I'm working. What was I doing this morning to make sure that things were right for the liturgy and for the sermon? What was I doing? I was working. And so I'm working. And so visitors may come and I may talk to them or this may happen or we may have to close and open the church or whatever. I'm working. Is it a sin for me to work on the Sabbath? Everybody say, no, it is not. So he's telling them, he said, you know what? If you read the law, and I read all about this and I was really interested in this, that God actually created more work for the priests on the Sabbath than on regular days. On regular days, they were to do all kinds of things, but on the Sabbath, and you can read about it, it's in the book of Exodus, they were to sacrifice two additional lambs on the Sabbath day. And I was telling my wife, I said, I asked her a quiz question, and if you want to try to raise your hand, you can answer it. How many specific things does God say you may not do on the Sabbath day? Specific things like, you know, you may not walk on the water, uh, you may not fly a kite like how many very specific things does god tell us we can't do there's actually only one tim and they were told not to build a fire not to kindle a fire on the sabbath okay other than that we'll get into this you'll see that these specifics were man-made okay but but on the sabbath it is expressly taught in god's word they were to sacrifice a lamb do you know how much work it is benjamin to imagine if we had to kill a goat and skin a goat and prepare a goat and offer a goat on a fire to God and drain out all the blood and all that. Would that be a lot of work? Has anybody ever done that with a deer yet? Come on. Is it, would you call that work? That is work. All right. And he's saying, God, Jesus is reminding them, do you not understand that they are blameless when they do this work? You see, man had it in his mind. He had a category. He can't work. Uh, and he, when he doesn't want to work, he won't work because he'll use this. But when he wants to work, he'll justify what he's doing as not work because that's the way we are. We're a bunch of crazy legalists and a bunch of little miniature lawyers is what we really are. Have you not read in the law how the Sabbath days the priests of the temple profane uh, the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that this in this place is one greater than the temple. If you had known what this means, I will have mercy and not sacrifice Yet you would have not condemned the guiltless. You see, here was the problem. The Pharisees were trying to condemn the disciples who were not guilty. And this is what we do. And this is what they were doing. They were condemning the guiltless. Okay, Calvin talked about it this way. There is a way to unnecessarily bind the consciences of other people. We tell them that certain things are wrong and that they can't do them. And we do that because it's how, remember we talked about this in the country mouse, city mouse, right? Because the way that we obey God's word, the how is where we get lost in it, how we do it. This is how we obey uh, the command, the fourth commandment to not work, okay? We get so worked up in the how when the Bible doesn't give us the how, and we live in the how. And that's what they did. They were condemning the guiltless, they had created a bunch of rules and regulations uh, of their very own. He's quoting from Hosea 6, 6, where I would have mercy and not sacrifice. Ye would 
if you if you understood what Hosea six six Jesus is saying, then you would not have condemned these people. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. Now, to be Lord means you are in charge. You are over everything. So did he need to say that the Son of that the Son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. Sometimes we need to be told that. Sometimes we're, you know, you're in a marriage situation or with your children. And someone needs to say, hey, did you know that, that the Lord is Lord even over your children? Did you know that the Lord is Lord even over your marriage? You can't just have any kind of marriage you want. You can't just raise your children any way you want. The Lord is the Lord even of your marriage, even of your children, even of how we get together and have our common time of worship. So then, as Andy read for us earlier, Jesus heals the man when the, when the Pharisees ask him the question. It says, Behold, there was a man there which had his hand withered. And, and the Pharisees ask him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath that they might accuse him? You see, obviously they weren't wanting to follow him. Obviously they, they were trying to find a way to accuse him. Everybody say, The devil is the accuser. They were acting like the devil. And, and you might go, well, I would never do that. How many of you accuse other people in your mind and in your heart and to others of, of doing wrong? We all do it. And when we do that, we're like the devil. That's why I don't, I don't like it when my kids come and tell me about how bad their brother or sister is being somewhere else. I'm like, you know, you're a lot like the devil when you do that. Now, there are times to do that when you actually care about them. They're about to run in the road or whatever. But oftentimes it has nothing to do with care and it is part of it. Well, we just want them to obey. Really? Is that really what you want? You really just love them? Is that why you're doing it? He said, what of you among you shall have it one sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will they not lay hold of it and take it out? How much then uh, is man better than the sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath day. Can you imagine that they're having to be told that... It's lawful to do well on the Sabbath, okay? Now, he stretches forth his hand, he heals the man. The Pharisees then, after he heals the man, they go out, they hold counsel to destroy, to kill Jesus, okay? When he knew it, he withdrew himself from the multitudes that followed him, and he healed them all. Jesus went on a Sabbath day healing spree. And if you read the scriptures... When Jesus does a lot of his healing, in fact, most of his healing he does on the Sabbath day. And he's doing this in express contradiction to their rules. One of their rules is that a doctor could not do healing work of a sick person on the Sabbath day. Could you imagine, you know, you need stitches on a, on a, on a Lord's Day, but you can't get them until Monday? I mean, that, that would be bad, right? But these guys, they're like, well, we want to honor the Lord and whatever, okay? So... After he healed them all, he said something that comes from the book of Isaiah. But what does he mean by this? So Jesus quotes right out of Isaiah. And and you have to look at the application. He's applying it to what just happened, right? He's talking to them about the Sabbath. He's talking to them about what is and is not lawful on the Sabbath. And he's talking about how they got it wrong and the crux of where they got it wrong. God loves mercy. Everybody say, God loves mercy. The law is for the purpose of mercy. But when we take the law to condemn people, uh, then we miss it. Okay? God makes these laws so that we can have relationship with each other. So we can love each other. So that we can have an orderly society. So that we can have the good life. That's why he gives us these things. So he quotes from Isaiah in verse 18. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well is pleased. I will put my spirit upon him and he shall show judgment. Everybody say, show judgment. This is where we get it wrong. We know God's word, but we have no judgment. We do not understand. We can say, oh, the Bible says this and the Bible says this. But when it comes down to judging a situation, you might look and go, well, I think the disciples were wrong here when they were eating. I think that maybe this was it. And that's what happens in us when the spirit of God is not in us. We lack judgment. We can take God's word, but we don't know how to apply it. And we use God's word as a sword to hurt rather than a sword to heal. 
I mean, uh, you know, there was a little knife under my pulpit. I had Steve get rid of it today, but I wish I would have grabbed it. That knife could be used, you know, for good, or that knife can be used for evil. And the, the, the sword of the Word of God is like that. The Bible says, the letter kills, but the Spirit giveth life. We don't know the Word of God so that we can be right. Being right does not please God. Being right and then making Jason wrong and fighting about it does not bring glory to God. Being right so you can point out how Tim doesn't do it right and how you do it right is a way to condemn your brother and to lift yourself up in pride. And that's what we do with the Word of God rather than use it in a lawful and beautiful way to show mercy. He said that, this, that, that what's going to happen is that I'm going to put my spirit in him and he's going to show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive, nor cry, nor shall any man hear him in the streets. Jesus is not going to go around uh, hurting people. A bruised reed shall he not break. He's going to be gentle. Okay, you guys know what a bruised reed is? You ever go by the cattails, you know, and you just take your fingers and squeeze it and it just kind of falls over? It's a very, very, uh, you know, delicate thing. A smoking flax. There's no even fire there, you know. But some people, well, I'm, I'm tired of it smoking, but you see that little ember. It says that Jesus is not coming to do to be rough with people. He's coming to be gentle. When he sees a smoking flax, he's going to blow on it. When he sees a bruised reed, he's going to not just rip it off. And God is coming to a weak people who don't need someone to come and blast them for, the, for not doing it exactly how you think they ought to do it. And that's what Jesus is dealing with here. Jesus taught by example. Who could miss this lesson? Who could begrudge the kind work that he was doing on the Sabbath? Who could look at a man with a withered hand who couldn't use it and his hand was stretched out and he could use it and now they're mad because he worked on the Sabbath? What is wrong with these people? Everybody say, what's wrong with these people is what's wrong with me. You can read about it in Mark 2, Luke 6, and here in Matthew 12. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to the... I know I, I hardly ever do this, but I'm, I'm, I've gone crazy today, just so you know. Turn with me, because I need you to read this to Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8. Now, you might expect there to be a great deal of instruction about what can and cannot be done on the Sabbath, but you might be surprised to learn that there's not, okay? And I looked and looked, and I thought I must be missing something. I thought, well, maybe my biblical knowledge has somehow failed me here. And so I went to Google, and I went to Wikipedia, and I went to Calvin, and I just kept, I'm like, where are these? I know there must be some more instructions about this than there are here. I looked in the Knaves Topical Bible. I kept looking, I'm like, where is it, where is it, where is it? And it isn't in there. And when it's not in there, we go crazy in the how, 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 how. Oh, well, the Jews will tell you. Where God doesn't tell us, the Jews will be happy to tell us what God really means and how God wants it to be done. And that same spirit is the spirit that Jesus railed against throughout his ministry. When the Bible doesn't say how, 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 they go, oh, where God didn't talk, we'll fill in the blanks because we want to we systematize everything so to make sure there are no blanks. That way everybody knows what to do. It's not necessary to do that, folks. Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath. Everybody say, remember the Sabbath. To keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all thy work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord thy God. In it shalt thou, thou shalt not do any work. Thou, thy son, thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. If, If when you read that, you aren't thinking about how you have to be specific when you instruct your little children then you're missing it. God does not just add superfluous words. I mean, he could have just said, you or no one, but oh no. He just, wanted, hey, not you, not your son, not your daughter, not your maidservant, not your manservant, not a sojourner. I mean, he lays it all out. Why? He's wanting to be very plain and not give us an out here. Okay? And then he says, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and hallowed it. Now we'll see how far I can get on this, okay? There are at least five main points I want us to consider from this command. None of which are, uh, well, what it means is not to walk any further than this. Or what it means is not to do this. Or what it means is not to do that. Because you're not going to find that in the Bible. Okay, but let me me tell you what we do find in the Bible. God wants us to remember. Everybody say remember. Remember. 
Why do we forget? Because we don't. We don't remember. As we regularly teach here in this church, our lives should be lived as lives of remembrance. Um, here God has given us a weekly reminder in our schedule that we, for, we are people who forget very easily, but this helps us to remember God. You might say, well, I don't need that regular a reminder of God once a week. I've got to spend the whole day. Apparently we do. Remember, the Sabbath means not to forget to take the day off, not to forget that God is who God is. And then he says to keep it holy. We talked about this a minute ago. How do we keep it holy? You know, does that mean that, you know, we walk around like this and, and you know, we try to look holy and, and, and whatever. What does it mean? It means make this day special. Set it apart. It should not be like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. It should be special. How many of you have really given a lot of thought of how to make Sunday, how to make the Lord's Day special unto God? Now, there are ways you can do it, and I'm not trying to give you more ways to do it. I can tell you, sometimes when I get in the car, you know, there are things I listen to on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday that I do not listen to on Sunday. Now, am I telling you that there's a rule against it and you're not allowed? I'm not telling you that. But I'm telling you, when I turn it on the radio and the radio is playing a song, I I can't listen to it. That's just, that's me. If I'm going to listen to music on a Sunday... I want that music to be about the Lord. I want it to be about something lovely or beautiful. Now, that doesn't mean it has to be Christian music, whatever. But I am very careful about what I listen to, okay? There is some way. Think of ways to make it special, okay? Keep it holy. Set it aside from all other days. Remember, that's what holy means. It means set apart. If you had had a hat and you wanted that hat to be holy to the Lord, you might set it apart and only wear it to church, okay? So verse 10 says, keep it to the Lord or for the Lord. The rest is not merely a rest for the sake of rest, but it is a rest with a purpose. It is a God-centered rest. We are not just resting so we don't get too tired. We're not just resting to show faith uh, that we can get it all done in six days because God is our God. We are resting so that we can think about God. Imagine if, you know, and I've said this before, but you know, you're, when, we, when I love to have date day, Used to be date night, now it's date day. I love to have it because when I am with my wife, I don't have to be interrupted by this thing and this thing and this thing and that thing and that thing and that thing. I like to think about my wife. And whether we're holding hands and, you know, being Siskel and Ebert and watching a movie and doing movie reviews or whatever, or whether we're eating and whether we're talking about whatever we want to talk about with each other, I love that I have the opportunity to just think about her if I want to. Amen? And God gives us that. There is a God-centered rest, a time that is devoted to God. We're invited. Everybody say invited. We're invited to focus on God in a special way, different than we do every day, even more concentrated than we do on ordinary days. We're suppo- we're all, we know we're supposed to think about God every day, and you do. But is, do you do that even more on Sunday? Or do you do it, you're like, well, we do it every day, you know, and, and on Sunday we, we do it too. But is there a way, if you're, if you're someone in here and you're thinking that, you know, Pastor Mark's going to go to a place where I'm going to tell you how to do that, you're wrong. If you're going to be thinking about all the things you're not allowed to do and, and you're going to be worried about that and you're going to wonder if God's going to be mad, you're not going to think about the Sabbath right. Think of ways to make it special. Like, you know, when, when, when Andrea and I were young and, and uh, she was wanting me to feel special, she would take and she would make these boxes, Bill, and they, they would start off as like a brown box with nothing on it. And then she would take, she went to magazines and she would cut out things that she thought was pretty. And she had this uh, hat, you know, and this scarf and this snow scene or whatever until the whole box, Becky, inside and out was completely covered with things she thought was beautiful. And I knew that that took her hours and hours to do, but she wanted a little piece of her to come to me. Does that make sense? As I looked at that, I'm like, I I had a hundred things on one little box. She did this over and over and over. When we were together, we would sit and we would look at magazines together. This is back before the internet where, you know, and, and, and I would say, oh, I think that's beautiful. And hey, maybe one day when we have a home, wouldn't it be cool to have a, a, a garden like this or whatever? And we would dream together. Isn't that fun? God says, God is inviting you to say, 
My wife made me feel special. What can we do to honor God in our homes and in our lives to show the specialness of God to our family? What can we do? Not, what aren't you doing? And how can't you be doing it right? And if I caught you doing that, and you know, did you really do something wrong with the pig's heath? I mean, whatever. And I'm, I'm bringing them up just for the fun of it, since it mentions livestock, and I don't know that well, we have chickens, but no chicken ever fell in a ditch. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> if your chicken fell in a ditch, you know, would you not get it out? No, I probably would not get it out. I would probably be glad that it was not crowing by my bedroom window. Verse 9, six days shall you, you labor and do all of your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Work six, rest one, work six, rest one. That's the pattern prescribed in the Ten Commandments. Do you know it doesn't even say what day of the week to do this on? Now I've really thrown you for a loop, right? It doesn't tell you, Steve. It doesn't say do it on this exact certain day. Now, they took the day that God rested and they picked that day. But, you know, it doesn't say that if you don't do it on this exact day, it's not Sabbath. It doesn't say that. And that's what gives us liberty. And we see something change when the New Testament comes because the day was an arbitrary day. As long as you worked six and you rested one, whatever day you rested on was your Sabbath day. So the church later, and we'll get into this later, they change it from Saturday to Sunday to show the difference between the Old and the New Covenant because that it, Saturday was the day God finished His work and on Sunday was the day Christ finished His work when He rose from the dead. Can everybody say, Woo! That's what they did. All right? Now, that's the pattern prescribed in the Ten Commandments. And as I said, notice it doesn't say what day. It just says that we need to do it every seven days. Every seventh day should be a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not look for loopholes. Everybody say, do not look for loopholes. Legalists, this is especially for you. We're rebels at heart. God has to make things clear to us or we would certainly have broken the intent of this command. We like to laugh when our kids do it, but we do it too. You tell your kids they're not allowed to hit each other. And so what do they do? They kick each other. Because if certainly they would not want to disappoint their parents and disobey them. Dad, you told me not to hit Valley. I did not hit him ever. Because I know that I never want to disobey my parents, right? That's us. And so he says not to work. And so what so so this stuff that we, we see here, God is narrowing it down. We're really just a bunch of sinners here, little miniature lawyers. Right? So he says, I want you to keep it. But your maid is not to work. Your ox is not to be taken. This this is the way John Piper put it. Ready? He says, I will keep the Sabbath, but I will put my maid to work. I will set my ox to threshing with a carrot in front of his nose at 6 p.m. the evening of the Sabbath. That way, grain is being threshed all day long. That's, That's what we would do. We would figure out a way to keep the work going while we were not working because that's us. God says, no, you missed the point. If you keep trying to keep your business running by using servants or animals or relatives, this is not the way. Now the fifth and final point, God's rest after creation is brought out here in this command. Verse 11 leads us to the basic point of the commandment. It is based on God's rest after creation. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in the midst, and He rested on the seventh day. Therefore He blessed. Everybody say blessed. He blessed the Sabbath day and He hallowed it. So he did two things. He blessed it and he hallowed it. So we have this day that God calls us to and he tells us that this day is blessed and hallowed. Okay. Genesis chapter two says this in verse two and three. On the seventh day, God finished his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it because... On that day, God rested from all the work which he had done in creation. God blessed and hallowed the seventh day. Both Genesis 2.3 and Exodus 20.11 says that God blessed and hallowed the day. Can you see the pattern here? He blessed, he hallowed, he blessed, he hallowed, right? What does it mean? I think it means that he takes uh, and he makes the day a time of blessing. Some people go, oh, well, I can't wait for Sunday to be over because we're not allowed to do this or this. God is saying this is a time of great blessing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a great gift. Okay? God, when God blesses a man, what does he do? If, if, the, if someone says, I'm blessed, what do they mean? Uh, when the prosperity movement say, I am blessed and highly favored, what are they meaning? 
I got money in my pocket, right? I got a new car. I got good things. You know, they mean blessings, right? When God blesses a man, he becomes rich with blessings. When he blesses a land, the land becomes rich. So when he blesses a day, the day becomes rich with blessings. And what does it mean to be hallowed? Hallow is the same word as sanctify. It means to set it aside for a special focus on what is holy, namely God and his holy works. Now consider the two words together, blessed and hallowed. How do they fit together? He made it a source of blessing. And the blessing is, is that it's focused on him. Do you remember in Philippians where it says, whatsoever things are right, good and lovely. And if there be any virtue, is there anything more lovely than God? Is there anything more pure than God? Right? If you, if you want to put your mind, how, how many of you, your mind is just on so many different things. All the things happening in the news and all the things happening on the streets and all the things happening maybe even in your own home or with your own work situation. All that's on your mind and God says, you know what you can do? Lay it all aside. And don't think about that. You can think about that tomorrow. Sometimes I'll joke around with my kids. Okay, you can't fight right now. I'd like you to fight tomorrow if you could. Because right now we're not going to do fighting. Tomorrow we can fight tomorrow. We can just go at each other tomorrow. But today, no fighting. I know that's me being silly, but... Man, don't, don't you wish we could do that? It's obvious that hallowing is included in the blessing. The blessing is included in the hallowing. When you hallow God and focus your attention on Him, you receive more blessing than if you just keep busy seven days a week with secular affairs, thinking that your clever hard work or money are the route or the route to your happiness. And the reverse. When you seek a blessing... In God, rather than the products of human labor, you allow him to honor his holiness as a greater wealth. What do we say? Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The Bible says, set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. You know, sometimes we've got to remember that all the things that we're working for, all the things that we're trying to clean up or get organized, or all the things that we're working toward, 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 are really we're working for who? We're working for... For him and for the kingdom. That's what it's for. Sometimes we can get so busy in the work itself that we forget what it's for. Like the Taj Mahal, right? You guys know that story. The guy builds the Taj Mahal. It's on all these postcards. People joke, well, hey, my house isn't the Taj Mahal. Every, the, it's on everybody's lips. It's in our culture. And all it was was supposed to be was a beautiful grave for a man's wife. And he got so busy building it that he forgot and they lost her casket. And she's not even there. Isn't that funny? It's hysterical. It was so beautiful and so glorious that the actual object of the whole thing is not even there. They lost it. Some workers threw it away. And now we have the Taj Mahal, a grave to nobody. It is like, it is a picture of insanity. It is a picture of the human heart. So devoted in his love toward the woman that he loved her so much, he forgot about her because the thing he built was so much greater. That's insanity. That's what we do. You see, the reason why... It says God gives in, in Exodus 2 and in Exodus 20, when God blessed and hallowed the day, it's because he rested from his work, which he had done in creation. What does that mean that God rested? Does God, did God get tired? You know, he spoke uh, a few things into existence and it all happened and now God's worn out. Is that, what he, is, is that what God resting means? Or does it mean that God reveled? You ever, you ever, you ever do something, you know, I, I love your arbor up in your... Up in your up on your hill, I love it. Don't you remember when it was made though? Like, and you still do it. You go and you just like, you know, you're not building it. You're sitting on it. You're looking at it, and you're going, man, this is this is beautiful, you know. So what did God do? God made everything, and then God rested, and He looked on it. He enjoyed it. So we work, 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 and sometimes that's what Sunday can be for, the Lord's Day can be for. That's why I, I, I say to many people, my favorite moment, and, and, and I hope this doesn't hurt my family's feelings. My, fa- my family day is not my favorite day, okay? I, I love it. I love my family. But I am a part of a bigger thing than the Robinette family. And what my favorite thing is, is to stand here every Lord's Day and look at you. It is, the, it is my favorite thing in the whole wide world. Because I'm like, God... But the Bible says there are things that we build are, that are made of wood, hay, and stubble. And there are things that are not. And I'm not saying my family's wood, hay, and stubble. But my family is part of the kingdom of God. 
There may or may not be Robinettes in the future, but there will be a kingdom of God. Amen? God may choose to take us all out of this world, and we may be the last Robinettes that ever were in the kingdom, and that's all right. Because the gates of hell shall not prevail against, is it the Robinette family or is it the kingdom of God? Yeah. God was satisfied that his work of creation was complete and it was very good. His rest means that he wanted to stand back with leisure and savor the beauty and completeness of his creative work. This is the real basis of hallowing and blessing a day of rest. He is saying in effect, let my highest creature, the one in my image, stop every seven days and and commemorate with the fact that I am the creator who has done all this. And, And it may be hard for you to do that, but... Folks, I'm telling you, it's a, if you can do it, it's a great gift. If you can literally stop all your normal whatever and say, this day we're going to think about God and how great He is. If you do that, you'll be blessed. Stop work. Focus on me. I am the source of all things. I am the fountain of blessing. I have made the, the very hands and mind with which you're working. Let one in seven days demonstrate to all the land and the animals and the materials and the breath and the strength and all of the thought and emotion and everything comes from me. Let man look to me in leisure one day out of seven for the blessing that is so elusive in the affairs of this world. That's what Piper said. The beautiful thing about the Sabbath is that God instituted a weekly reminder of two things. One is that our true blessings come from His grace and not our labor. I was telling the guys up here that, that you could gloss over this, but I'm going to stop for just a second. Guys, we are saved by grace, not through our work, Right? Sunday's the day to know that. We are saved by grace, not through, uh, you know, working, 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 working. I don't even think it might, it might not even be a good day to work on your catechism. It might not be a good day to work on memorizing the Bible. You might go, well, I don't know what would be wrong with that. I don't know. But, but every day we're working, 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 right? What if we just reveled in God and His goodness and His mercy and we stopped working for just a little bit? This is not a prohibition from your pastor. I'm just, I'm saying, think on it, okay? Let God express this uniquely in your home. There are no policemen going to be allowed to be in our church to rule over everyone and go, this is how, 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 how you have to do what God is calling you to do. Isn't it worth remembering that we are saved by grace and not from our work and so we just stop working? The other is that we hallow and honor Him and we keep a day holy if we seek the fullness of His blessing. By giving our special attention to God. It would be a mistake to conclude from these two texts that the only blessing we should focus on during the Sabbath was the blessing of creation. Deuteronomy 5 gives us a second version of the Ten Commandments. And here is the basis of our our Sabbath. Uh, Do you guys remember when the children of Israel were standing by the Red Sea? And here they were, uh, their enemies were coming, uh, and they didn't have anywhere to go, and they were at the limit of what they could physically do. They could get up, Bill, and they could walk out of Egypt, but they couldn't really go across that Red Sea, right? Do you guys remember what God said to them, Jason? He said two words. Everybody say, be still. Be still. That's what Sunday is our day, Luke. We're standing before the Red Sea. Be still. Rest. Why? You can't do what needs to be done here. You can't save yourself. You can't save your children. You can't save the lost and dying people over there at the Mount Sterling Community Center or in our community. You can't do that. God can, though. So today, we rest. Be still and see the salvation of our God. In other words, the mighty hand of outstretched arm of God is not wearied by the work of creation. It is God is filled with strength. God's rest was not for recuperation, but for exaltation. And now the same God has shown his power, not just to create, but also to save us. So the focus of the Sabbath is on God, not only as our source of creation, but also as our source of salvation. Your God brought you up out of the land of Egypt, it says. Therefore, he commanded you to keep the Sabbath. That's what it says in um, verse 15 of Deuteronomy chapter 5. Because he brought you up out of, the, uh, of Egypt. You should enjoy your Sabbath day. One day of rest every seven, kept holy to the Lord, reminds us and shows the world that God is our creator and our deliverer. We did not make ourselves. We cannot sustain ourselves without his grace. But be still and know that he is God. The Sabbath is a sign. Everybody say it's a sign. It is a sign 
of what God has done. He told them, like I said, uh, fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of our God, which will work for you today. For the Egyptian whom you see, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you that you only have to be still. They have done this, all that they could do, God called them to rest. Exodus 31, 12, as I just actually read for you a minute ago, about, it says, Say to the people of Israel, when you keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, it is a sign that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you, who sets you apart for his own. The Sabbath is a sign pointing to the truth that we are never to forget. The truth is that God, and not we ourselves, has saved us and sanctified us. He has chosen to set us apart and work to make us distinct from all the people of the earth. So in summary, as I am winding down here, I know I've been going for a little while. Exodus 20.11, Deuteronomy 5.15, Exodus 31, teach that the Sabbath is a way of remembering and expressing the truth that God is our creator our deliverer and our sanctifier. We are dependent on him for all that we have in this world, for the deliverance from our enemies, for our own holiness, for he has indeed designed that we work, but our work neither creates nor saves nor sanctifies. Man, that, that sounds like a question we need to remember. God has made us to work, but our work neither creates, saves, or sanctifies. You know, when I, when I hear that, I say this. You know, when Jesus says, take my yoke upon me, on you for for I am meek and lowly in heart you you shall find rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light Luke could you imagine if God had called you to save Laura to save Millie that's 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 and and you have to keep them saved buddy and you have to keep the devil away from them and you have to make sure their heart is right and you've got to discipline them all the way into the kingdom of God you'd have a complete and total nervous breakdown See, there's a point we can take our children to and we do the best we can with them. But do you know God loves them more than we do and they're his? We need to sometimes stop and remember that. Hey, we can do all that we can do. But you know what? The children of Israel really didn't do much, did they? God did the miracles and they walked a little bit. Then there was another giant miracle and then they walked a little bit more. That's really our life. God does the miraculous. That God doesn't depend on us for that. He designed that we work, but we work knowing that our work is easy, that our work does not create anything, it does not save anyone, and neither does it make us holy. All these things we depend on the blessing of God. All things are from Him, through Him, and to Him. Lest we forget this and begin to take our strength and thought and work too seriously, we should keep one day in seven. And this is what we do. We get so serious Oh, Andy's in the bathroom. Tim, I'll look at you since I'm since We get so serious about the work that we do because we work as though it all counts on us. Do you know God doesn't want us to do that? This is this is where we go wrong. Josh, this is why this is why you worry sometimes. Because you forget this. This is God's work. You can rest and know that it's all right. It's all right if you lose your job. It's all right if you're not the, the greatest husband. It's all right if you're not the, the best provider. It doesn't matter. You can do what you can do. You can't part a Red Sea. You can't heal a withered hand. God can do these things. Amen? And so the way that we rest and the way that we don't worry and the way that we show our faith is by just saying, you know what? There's plenty that I could worry about, but what did Jesus say? Don't, don't take thought about tomorrow and worry about that. Why? He said, there'll be enough trouble when you get there. He's, he's putting it off because in the end you'll find out that your worrying has not done anything. It says, can we by our worry change our stature? Can we get any taller? Can we change our hair color by worry? No, Shelby knows how to change hair color and it's not with worry, right? <laughs> right? She's been to school. She knows. We can trust her, Right? Folks, the Sabbath is good news. Everybody say, the Sabbath is good news. It's not bad news. The fact that we today are invited by God to have a Sabbath isn't like, oh no, we go to a church and they believe in the Sabbath. Oh, people are going to think we're weird. And, and what does that mean? What am I allowed to do? What am I not allowed to do? Whatever. Folks, don't look at it like that. Look at it like God has invited us to something special and we're stupid if we miss out on it. When we hear God's word, we tend to hear it like a lawyer. 
Oh, that God would give us ears to hear today that the Sabbath is a great invitation of love from our God who knows how weak and overwhelmed we all are and how we get so easily. Today, God has called us to stand still and see His salvation. This is what Sabbath rest is. It is not another rule He has given to control us that uh, we would try to assert. God is giving us a great invitation of love for us. Let me close with Isaiah chapter 58. Because it is a shame that so many Sabbath, so many people when they talk about it, they, they think in terms of what we are allowed to do and what we can and can't do. Its original intention was certainly intended to be good news, not bad. The Sabbath command is in fact a command to experience joy. I mean, isn't that funny? God has to command. Now, uh, I want you to go and I want you to have a good time, Derek. I want you to enjoy those kids. I want you to stop worrying about being an administrator or being a business owner or the properties. Just forget them. Just for a day. That's all. And we go, no, we can't do it. Just can't do it. And God's saying, you actually can. I parted a Red Sea. I make those things work or not work. You don't need to keep it all going. Set it aside. I'll close with Isaiah 58. He says, if you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight. Everybody say a delight. And the holy day of the Lord, it's honorable. If you honor it, not going your own way. Everybody say, not going your own way. Not seeking your own pleasure. Not talking idly. Then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. I got one more John Piper quote. God's purpose on the Sabbath is that we experience the highest and most intense joy that can be experienced, namely that we take delight in the Lord. And yet what he finds again and again in professing Christians who prefer little human-sized pleasures from the things that have no close relation to God at all, We would choose our little pleasures rather than the great pleasure He has invited us to. And we do so because we just, we love things more than we love God. All right. If I don't shut it, I'll just keep going. I would say Foundation Church, have you as families, have you have Montgomery's, have you have Dowdy's, have you have Foise's, Narwhal's, Robinette's, Kilmer's, Have you thought about this day, how to make it special and hallowed? Have you understood what a blessing it is and what a joy it can be? Or has it seemed restrictive? Or maybe you just don't pay any attention to it at all other than coming to church on Sunday. The Bible says that we are not to be forgetful hearers, but doers of the word. If you had a love of your life, you'd want to show him he was special, right? Want to show her she was special. You might make the beautiful box that Andrea made. You know, that was that, that, that made me feel special. I'm like, look at all the time she spent in that. What are we doing to show God He's special to us on this day? Not that we should feel guilty that we're not doing it, but we have the opportunity to do it. Let's get creative. Let's use our minds and make God the focus of our Lord's day. It bears His name. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Lord, I feel very feeble in trying to create, uh, communicate this, this truth. But I see a great need in my own life and in our family, Lord, as the, the leader of my home. Lord, I don't think I have um, understood this this way completely. Today it's a, a new day to think about it. Lord, I pray that you would give me wisdom to add something special and beautiful in my life, to rest more thoroughly from my labors and to contemplate you, to care about what I think about even, what I talk about with others, what I listen to. Lord, not because I'm worried I'm breaking the rules, but Lord, because what a blessing I might have if I just laid all those things aside. As it said in your word in Isaiah that, You said if I would, that I would get to ride on the heights with you. Lord, I want to ride on those heights with you. I want to come to deeper depths and higher heights with you. And Lord, 
If the great invitation of the Sabbath is one way to get there, Lord, I wait upon you today. And I look with joy to mount up with wings as eagles. In Christ's name we pray. And all the church said, Amen. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.